Our precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather to study the word. We are looking up to you that by your spirit you will guide us and teach us. And we pray, Lord, that you cause your word to have entrance, penetrate every hearer, break through every barrier, and let the light of your word shine into our hearts and our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we are looking at hindrances to our faith. Hindrances to our faith. Our text is Matthew 17, 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For verily I said unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to another place, and they shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So looking at the place of faith in our dealings with God, in our relationship with God, the scripture reveals in Mark 9, 23, somebody came to Jesus, and this is the conversation. What do you mean if I can? Then the man said, if you can, then you can heal my child. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. And if you go back to where we read in in a text in Matthew 17, in, from, in verse 20, you will see that Jesus said that same thing again. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence, go to yonder place, and they shall remove, and nothing, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Twice we read it now. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, these, um, this idea of faith is the reason nothing shall be impossible to you is because you are trusting the arm of God. And with God, nothing is impossible. You are relying on the arm of God and not on your own arm. Again, with God, nothing is impossible. So if you rely on this arm that would quit, nothing is impossible, then you too operate, you too engage, get engaged in it, and to you too, nothing shall be impossible. You know, so this man that went to, pre- to preach, I mean, to, to, there were his disciples that were casting out demons, they are this same man who returned in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, we have a different report. Now they went to Jesus and said, why could not we cast him out? There's no joy here. There's no joy here. Men, they were really, really disappointed in their performance. So the first one was they came with joy and said, oh, yeah, I see these devils. They were subject to us in your name. These same people went to Jesus and said, it's a problem, sir. We couldn't. Couldn't do this. And the Lord explained to them that they lacked the only thing that makes all things possible including casting out demons. Faith in Christ, faith in his word, faith in the arm of the Lord. Jesus is the arm of the Lord. Isaiah 53 said, who has believed our report, and to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? And Isaiah 53 is about Christ and his death on the cross and what he did, being the power of God. And let's remember that Except the Lord builds, those that are building are wasting their time. In Acts chapter 5, verse 38, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work, you need to listen carefully. If this counsel or this work is of men, is of men, is of men, is of men. It will come to nothing. The scripture said the wisdom of man comes to nothing. It will come to nothing. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. 
Let's happily you be found even to fight against God. You cannot. If it be of God. That's why those who trust in him are not brought to shame. If be of God. If this be of God. That is very critical and very important for a Christian to be very aware of and to be very, 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 um, to understand it very well. To, to be able to evaluate every day of his life, what am I relying on? I rely on this strength that will come to naught, even though the crowd, because you know, the way that leads to destruction, the Bible says crowd follow it, but the way that leads to life, only very few find it, and that way is Christ. So let's look at what he says about prayer, James 5.15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's not just any prayer. It's not just any prayer. The prayer of faith, a prayer said in faith, a prayer said trusting. In what God said, how God told you to pray, relying on the name of Jesus, relying on his word, the arm of the Lord. A prayer said, relying on how, how you shouted, you know, you got up 12 midnight to 3 a.m. Others in the main do, in the arm of men and the wisdom of men that come to zero. They are not prescribed by the word of God. They are not underwritten by the word of God. A pray, the prayer of faith, very simple. You pray according to his word and believe, as he said, if you ask him according to him, I would believe you have it, you have it. It's just that simple. James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith again, nothing wavering. So you don't waver because you know the arm of the Lord does not fail. You don't waver for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, if you don't pray in faith, you won't get anything. We've said this over and over and over and over. And then the scripture tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. Totally impossible. It cannot happen. I don't care how you think you are holy. Or without faith in Christ, you can do nothing. You can't please God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, none of us can do anything. You can't do nothing. You can't please God. You might think you are. That's your own mind. That's your own judgment. The only thing that pleases God is the arm of the Lord. Christ Jesus. Faith in him. He is the one that works in you to produce things that please God. And then the scripture says that God is not served by man's hand. God is not served by man's hand. Which means if you want to serve God acceptably, you serve him by trusting his hand. Relying on the spirit of God. Relying on his word. Because it's not served by man's hand. The arm of the flesh will always fail. God doesn't use it. And then the scripture said in Acts 17, 25, and human hands can't serve his needs. Do, do, do you hear that? Human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no, no needs. He himself gives life and bread to everything. He satisfies every need. He says he's the one doing everything, so what are you going to do for him? It's human hands. Because sometimes they see all I did for God. No, sir, you don't know what you're talking about. You talk about all he did for you. And what he did through you. Paul said, I cannot talk of anything except what Christ has done through me. What Christ has done through me. I'm everything I am by the grace of God, by the activity of the Spirit of Christ. Now, every Christian must understand it. And I plead with you to always evaluate where your faith is leaning. Oh, you say, oh, Lord, you know everything I'm doing, how I'm serving you. you, know, you. That's, that's, I don't know where it's coming from. Because that is saying to the Lord, my arms have done this thing, have brought me to a place where you ought to do this. It's my arm. Well, God says, no, I know your arm. It's with Iraq. And the scripture says that whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14, 20. 23, and he 
that doubted is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of it. For whatever is not of it is sin. And then we have forgotten that unbelief and doubt is sin. Because it doubts the integrity of God. Doubts the integrity of his word. It's sin to doubt the integrity of God and doubt the integrity of his word. In Romans, sorry, in Hebrews 3.12, it said, take heed, brethren. Take heed is to be careful. Take heed, brethren. Let there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, in doubting God and rejecting his word, and then choosing some other word. Because we're always choosing something. It makes you choose other things. You depart from God. The Bible talks about people who trust in the arm of the flesh, whose heart had departed from God because they don't agree with God. Doubt is, I don't agree with you. I don't believe you. I don't believe what you're saying. And now, we talk about faith for righteousness, which is one of the great revelations that God gave to Paul, that David spoke about, that God gave it to Paul. The revelation of faith that Paul wrote about, that is through faith you get things from God, and that faith makes you righteous before God. That if you believe God, God will count you righteous. One of the most powerful revelations that God gave us through Paul. In Romans 4, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? You see, Abraham discovered this. It was revealed to Abraham, revealed to David, now revealed to Paul. What did Abraham find? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had wear off the glory, but not before God. That's what they found out. My arms cannot, cannot glory before God. No. Because God won this race. He said, don't go and say, my arms have done these things for me. He said, don't. He found it out. And verse 3, for what said the scripture, Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham found out that if you believe the arm of the Lord, God will count you acceptable to him because you are believing him. You are affirming him. You are honoring him. You are saying you are God. That's what Abraham found out. Again, verse 4. Now, to him... The work it is the reward, not reckoned of grace. Those who want to earn it, it's not grace, but of, of debt. Then quit means God owes you because your arms have now performed enough for God to pay you what he owes you. It's obligated because of what you have done or what I have done. But to him that worketh not, that doesn't rely on his arms on what he's doing, but believeth in him that justified ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's one of the greatest revelations that God gave to Paul for the church. For the church. And David had this revelation. Being a prophet, remember I said that the gifts of the, the, gifts of the Spirit, prophets operate, revelation gives at least two of them. Word of wisdom is, is one of the key things that prophets operate. Because word of wisdom is to have insight into the plans and purposes of God for a people, for a place, for a person. So you find that these prophets of old, they will have insight into divine plan for Israel. When God wants to punish them, God will send them, they will start telling God what is going to happen. This is God's plan. He's going to do this to you and do this to you because you are not doing this. So David was a prophet, and the Lord Jesus said, called him a prophet. And so he had insight. Into, he had a revelation of what Abraham had a revelation of. And which Paul also brought into the gospel and told us this thing works in the gospel too. And so in Romans, Romans chapter 4 verses, even as David also described the blessedness of the man 
unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, exactly what Paul is talking about. That you just believe God, God counts you righteous. Verse 7, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Remember the scripture says that God was in Christ, not imputing iniquity. He was talking really about faith in Christ that gives you forgiveness of sin and counts you righteous. You know, so uh, verse, verse 9, commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision or uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision, before he entered into the covenant of circumcision, God counted him righteous because of his faith, because he believed God. He simply believed God. Now, I want to divert a little bit. Let us help ourselves. Let's walk in love here, you know. There are a lot of well-meaning Christians struggling with grace of God. They hear something like this, that God will count you righteous because you believe in Christ. It, it triggers them. And they're very, they're very wonderful people. We, we shouldn't quarrel over these things because we're all growing. There was a time you two were like, it triggers them quickly because their thinking is that grace, like we read it above, promotes sinfulness. That how can God just count people righteous because they believe in him? What are the things they are doing or they have done? And that's, that's human reasoning. It makes sense in the human reasoning. But this is not, we're not talking about human reasoning. We're talking of divine reasoning. And so it triggers them very quickly. And then, you know, like I said, it shouldn't be a bone of contention. Until this is revealed. Remember, I was revealed to Paul. Revealed to David, revealed to Abraham, until they understand it. It's no way of fighting. And so they think it's easy for people to sin because of this. And so their, their own recommendation and what they will prefer is that God will punish people first as a deterrent. As a deterrent to stop people from sinning. And in their heart, they mean well. I believe this like that too, some years back. They mean well. They want to see people stop sinning. So they, they believe that this is the way it has to happen. So you, they, they're looking at this and say, how can you just count, count them with light choice because they believe? So because they think that will make them sin. So in their mind, is, there should be a deterrent. There should be a punishment. They should pay some price to stop them. Again, that's human thinking. And on the other hand, there are people who say, well, you know, because God will make us, accept us by believing him. Because there's grace, forgiveness of sin. Woo, let's party. <laughs> you know, let's party, do whatever we want. There are people on those two groups. But tonight, if you send this message to somebody, it will help him understand it. Because by the grace of God, we're going to make it clear. You will never doubt anymore. Why grace is the option. You will never doubt it. So the truth is that sin really has consequences. People think it doesn't, but it does. And we're going to talk about it much, much later. But let's take a look at using punishment to deter sin. Using punishing people as a deterrent. You know this has been done before by God. God has done this before. God did it before. Not because God didn't know it wouldn't work, but because God was showing us that this, it doesn't work this way. So when he brings grace, we realize that, yeah, that's, great. that's the way it works. If, that, if this didn't really happen, we think it does happen. You know, experience is the best teacher. God wasn't confused. So God has used punishment as deterrent, severe punishment as deterrent. But the end of it, it didn't change one single person. I read, I studied the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah. Man, 
The day I finished, I said, I said, praise the Lord, oh, I'm out of this one. I'm like, what? I immediately I opened the New Testament. It's like I came back home. Because you see a lot of things that God did to Israel because of their idolatry. And he would send prophets to warn them and warn them and warn them. And they'll be taken captive. Their enemies will come and burn their cities, take their wives and children. And in the middle of that, they're still worshiping idols, even more idols in the nation where they were taken. He didn't change them. Then the Bible said, this is a written for us to learn. He didn't change them. So if you study the Old Testament, you will see that punishment are being used, <laughs> but it didn't deter anybody. Let's read scriptures to see if what I'm saying is from the Bible. Nehemiah 9.20. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. <laughs> they did evil again before thee. Therefore, left, left test thou them in the hand of their enemies, a punishment as deterrent, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet, when they returned and cried unto thee, thou hadest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy message 29, and testified against them that thou mightest bring them again unto thy love, yet they dealt proudly, and hearkened not unto thy commandments, they didn't deter them. Did you see that? See, over and over, I didn't deter them. Okay. But sin it against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. And withdraw the, the shoulder and harden the neck, I will not hear. Yet many years didst thou forbear them and testify against them by thy spirit in thy prophets, yet will they not give ear. Therefore, givest thou them into the hand of the people of the land. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them. But thou art a gracious, merciful God. Did you see that? Over and over and over and over and over, God will hand them into their enemies, punish them for this. They will come back, oh, Lord, it's okay. And they come back before you know it, they say, who oh, is God? They do their own stuff. Then there was no genuine change from the heart. And then the Lord Jesus came and told them, even the prophets that brought them those warnings, they killed them. If you know how they plotted to kill Jeremiah, for telling them the truth. Sometimes they call him and say, okay, tell us now. If you tell us, we'll agree. And after telling them, they tell him right there and then, we don't believe you. We are not going to do what you're saying. We are going to serve idols. Openly. So look at what Jesus said, Matthew 23. 29, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets. You kill the prophets and garnish the sepulchre of the righteous people. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. We wouldn't have done those things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 31. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up then the measure of your father, ye serpents. Does it look like people who changed? You serpents, you generation of vipers. Does it look like people who saw what happened to their fathers and changed? How can you escape the damnation of hell? So all those things their father did, and they'll say, oh, we shouldn't have done that, but it didn't change. It didn't change. Okay, when the law was preached to them, you know, they preached the, the law was all they had. They preached the law, and then they preached the words of the prophet every Sabbath. I know they write the law in their face, carry it everywhere. They asked 1327, for they that dwelt in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not. They didn't know Christ nor yet the voice of the prophets, which I read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Why? Because the law will never reveal Christ to them. 
in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in, this, in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All that the law teaches is sin. That shall not do this. This is sin. It doesn't talk about the power of God. It doesn't reveal Christ. So, you know, so they ended up killing the, the Lord himself. They ended up killing the Lord himself. So I'm not going to, if you like, you can read Matthew 21 from 33 to 42. You know, Jesus talk, talking about, you know, a parable of uh, the, somebody who had a vineyard and was sending his servant, they were killing his servant. He said, finally, he sent his son. And they killed his son. And he was referring to himself. Because he said, didn't you ever read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected, which is himself, rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is wonderful to see. He was referring to say they killed his son too. So he was telling them that they have never accepted the word of God. Yet they were punished. You can only come to one conclusion. That there's people who think, you know, you need to polish people. You need to preach sin for them. You can see from scripture, it has been done. It didn't change anybody. Jesus was sent to the Lordship of Israel to kill him. Then came Jesus. I want to hear amen. Then came who? Jesus. The arm of the Lord. The deliverer. To bring life. Now you, can, you, you, you want to see why grace is the only way then came Jesus. Then came the Son of God. Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes it. It's not by punishing people. No. It saves those who believe it. They don't have to punish them. It saves those who believe it. They the wisdom of God. He saved those who believe. The Jews first, also the Gentiles 17. This good news tells us how God makes us right. He's right. And he said, that's making us righteous. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture said, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The new life. A new life came through Christ. And as you accept Christ, as you believe in him, God counts you righteous, and you receive this new life. Without this new life, you can't change. If you like, punish the person up and down, won't you? It won't change. So punishing is not the way. It's receiving the new life that is what changes people. And this new life is brought to us free. And so... Paul and the other people went out to preach to people that, hey, there is life for you. Your sins are forgiven. Don't run away from God. Come and receive Christ and have this new life. Remember in the Old Testament, God punished them, sent prophets, and sent their enemies. They didn't change. Lastly, he sent the son to kill them. So we can see that that is a dead end. Now we have this new way that God says, I'm giving you what will change your life and stop you from killing because you are, son, you are children of the devil. You do what he wants you to do. You are bound by sin. You are slaves of sin. First Corinthians 2, 2. Paul said, I, if I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, that's all. That's all I want to know. Acts 9, 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God. You see, they went declaring Jesus. Remember, they read the law. They read all this and the prophets said they didn't know him. They didn't know the savior. They didn't know the person that brought life that can bring change. Now he is being preached so that in knowing him, you believe in him. You receive a new life. And you stop killing the prophets of God.
Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So when they, have, when they come to Christ and put their faith in him, they are sanctified. The blood of Jesus washes away all their sins. They are sanctified. They are righteous. And they receive a new life. That life does not kill the prophets. That life listens to God. That life is the life of God. You can see why grace is the only way. Now let me show you the what happened? In, okay, as for 10, as for 10, but be it known unto you all and to all the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you who. This is the stone. See, if you remember when Jesus told in the parable of the, 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 the husband man that they killed the son, he said, this tomb you people rejected is this cornerstone. He says, it's marvelous in our sight. This is the world's doing. That's what Peter is saying, referring to here. That he says, he says, for, yeah, this is the stone which has, was set at naught by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. But there is none other name under heaven given among men by which you are saved from this type of life that you are living. You can't behave your way out of it because by nature you are evil. That's why Jesus called them sons of vipers, referring to Satan. Snake represents demons. So you are children of vipers. You have your father, the devil. So the same people, the same people that killed the prophet, that killed the son of God, see the result when they started to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That rebellious spirit disappeared. Look at Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now this word repent means because they rejected the stone, and Peter is telling them, no, you receive him now. You've got to repent from rejecting that stone. You've got to receive him now. You've got to put your faith in him now. You know, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify, and they saw saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation that rejects Christ. Then they that gladly receive his word, not punishment for them, because Jesus had been punished for them. Those that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls from those same people who were shouting crucify him, his worthy of death, the children of those who killed the prophets. 3,000 said, yeah, we need this new life. We believe in Christ. He brought us life. We receive his mercy, forgiveness. It didn't happen because God sent them into, into exile, sent people to punish them, no. It happened because they accepted new life that is in Christ Jesus. They put their faith in Christ, and God counted them righteous and gave them the new life. 3,000. As for two, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they, they lay hands on them, put them in, in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tide for how be it, many of them which had the word believed, and the number of the men, men was about 5,000. When you have 5,000 men, you can be sure you have three times that number of women. See? 
those who rejected the words of God, rejected the words of the prophets, killed the prophets, killed all those things. They are punishing them, they everything. They didn't change. Now the deliverer came. The son of God, he came. And destroyed the power of sin. Destroyed the power of the devil. He said, I came to set you people. And now when he did that, he brought them life. And so when he, they were told about him and what he did for them, they accepted him. And instead of rejecting the words of the prophet now, they're accepting the words of the prophet. You see how that change came? wasn't by punishing them, you know, making them, you know. It came because of the word God gave us by grace. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see it play now here. So punishing them didn't change them. But what brought the change is Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said, and what I am by the grace of God. Now, Acts 6, 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And the great company of the priests, <laughs> you see now, all those priests were obedient to the faith now. They were not rebelling and saying, well, we're not going to do that. No. They have accepted new life, new spirit. Their sins are forgiven. They have the spirit of Christ in them now. So they accepted. They accepted. They were obedient to the faith that is in Christ. Which means they agreed with it. Remember, they were taken to Babylon. They were exiled here. Their enemies did this. They didn't, they didn't change. But here, in thousands, in droves, the same people are coming to Christ and coming to God, and their lives are changing, and they are being obedient to the faith. The, the scripture says that daily they were, in the, they were sharing in the scriptures, and there are a lot of good things that God was doing through them. So you can see that the way out is really Christ Jesus. He's the way to God. It's grace that makes the difference. So don't wish that God will punish people. <laughs> wish that, God, that they will receive Christ and receive forgiveness of sins, receive this new life, and like all these people too, become obedient to the faith and become new creatures, become new people that walk in love, that walk in the word of God. Now let's, I diverted here because I wanted to explain this by the grace of God. It will help a lot of good people, women and people, to stop rejecting the grace of God, but to understand that that's the way to receive a new life. That's the way to receive a new life. Can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? If they're ignorant about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. Not everybody. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who have believed our message. So faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. The scripture says not everybody wants to hear it. Not everybody wants to hear. Not everybody in the church wants to hear the word of God. And if you don't hear, you say, how can you believe? There won't be faith. How can you believe what you don't know? And so some people block their ears because they have other interests. And so the word of God is not really primary to them. The cares of this world, they think the value of dollar is more important than knowing Christ. That's in their own mind. So they don't care whether they know Jesus or not. It's not important to them. They really want to use God to make more money. When they want to do business, they pray. After that, they forget about it all. So there are people who, of their own choice, do not want to know. They don't care to know. 
So Matthew 13, 14 to 15, the prophecy of Isaiah described them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to every, everything I speak, they don't understand the thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their heart is closed. They read Bible, even come to church, sing, <laughs> dance with you. The scripture said, their hearts heart are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they will open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, and open their minds to understand. Then they will turn to me, and I will instantly heal them. See, they deny themselves the benefits of the world by their choice. They prefer partying, you know, hanging out with the world, you know, that kind of stuff, and 20 jobs. Bible study is not important. I'm not, I'm not, I have to make ends meet. Many people are like that. Christ is not primary in the, in, the, in the scripture says, seek you first the kingdom of God. Oh, no, no. They are seeking the kingdom of this world. Dollar. Dollar. Building more houses, buying more houses, buying, buying, buying. They think they will live here and die. Buying, buying, buying. Jesus said, if you are not rich in God, you are a fool. Say because one day you leave all these things and go die and leave this world. He said, you don't even know who it will become. You see, if we look at the reality of life, you see what Jesus said is always happening. Oh, it's always happening now. Because somebody you leave behind can get up and scatter out of your world. You are not there, no? can scatter everything. Drag everybody to the court and everything, yakabaka. So number two hindrance is lack of understanding of their standing with God through Christ as a result of their ignorance. They don't know their standing with God, so they don't have confidence in their relationship with God. And that way, they cannot operate in faith. Not going to happen. And so when they come to God, they are trying to make themselves acceptable to God to earn his favor. It's ridiculous to try to earn favor. Favor, you don't earn favor. At least this is simple English. Favor is what you don't deserve. So trying to deserve it will immediately tell you that it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so they have ritual of confessing their sin before they pray. Now listen, don't get me wrong. We must confess our sins. The scripture says to do that. But you don't do that as a ritual in order to earn God's favor. You don't do that like that. If you commit sin, confess it to God there and then and accept forgiveness and move on. Or if you don't realize the sin, anytime you realize the sin, you confess it to God and move on. God will forgive you. He said, I'm faithful and just, I'll forgive you. But it's not something that every time you want to pray, you go and kneel down and you begin to talk about the sins you have already confessed to God and then begin to talk about the sins Unknown sins. And, and, you know, because when you package that, you are bringing it as a, as a condition upon which God will accept you. And those are your, your works. Those are the things you do. And there, there is no, there is no, there's no um, washing away of sin except the blood. And we sing a walk and wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So all those things can't even take care of your sin. But God said we should do them. Yeah, we should do them, but not as a payment to God to accept you now. Some people come very funny manner, trying to look what they think is humble. They talk, they're not talking like children of God, thinking that when they, when, they, when they look so unacceptable or talk so unacceptable or whatever, whatever, then God will say, ah, I such a humble person. Ah, come, come, come. <laughs> now when you pray and you come to God listen to me in the name of Jesus when you pray in Jesus name what you are saying to God is I don't qualify Jesus is my righteousness so whether you, seeing you don't remember remember 
Jesus is your it's not in your name, it's his name, and that name will not be denied if you have faith in him. You didn't come in your name. So why do you not look kind of uh, thinking, oh, the sin I don't forget, I don't remember. You won't even, where will you start? But you are supposed to come not in your name, but in his name. For in his name shall the Gentiles trust. You come trusting in the blood. The blood is speaking for you right now. That's why you need the blood's intercession continuously. That's why Jesus is our great high priest who is sitting and interceding for us continuously through his blood. The blood is speaking mercy, mercy. Not the blood of Abel that was talking about judgment. The reason is that you sin. Romans 5, 1 from 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did. You can't take your faith away from the author and finisher of your faith, Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Because of our faith, because of our faith in him, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Confidently. Confidently. Because of what he did for us on the cross, because of his blood. Ephesians 2.18. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. That's why you come. If you take your faith away from the arm of the Lord and put it on the arm of the flesh, it will fail you. And you don't come as a beggar. Because you have a covenant with God, you are his son. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, shortcomings and things. He knows it but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, therefore means because of this, let us therefore, because of our high priest, because of our high priest whose blood is, is speaking for us, because of the advocate we have before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, because of him, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Why grace? is giving you what you don't merit. Don't package any ritual. Yes, confess your sin when you sin. When you remember I confess it, but let it not be a ritual, something that you have to do so as to gain divine favor or entrance into the presence of God. You can't. Because what brings you there is faith in Christ. Again, because of ignorance of our standing, of who Jesus is, he's our righteousness, and who he means to us. We, we just fall prey to all this useless and worthless stuff that people do. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Mercy is mercy. Mercy is you don't merit it. It's mercy is given to you. The Bible says it is of the lost mercy we are not consumed. You can't, you can't buy mercy. God has nothing for sale, for God's sake. Nothing. Mercy is you are guilty and I forgive you. Go. Say, so why should you forgive me? Jesus paid for it. His blood is speaking. The blood is talking on my favor. Talking on my behalf. Faith in him makes you righteous before God. That's what Paul is saying. Faith in him makes you righteous before God. So this is how God wants us to come to him. In Hebrew 10, again, um, God is the one really that 
set apart this way of coming to him. It's God that set it apart. The God consecrated it. To consecrate it, to set apart and say, do you, feel, do, you want to, do you want to come to me? Yeah, this is how you come. Come like this. Hebrews 10, 17. Tells you how God says we should come. And their sins, the iniquities will I remember no more. Don't package all this confession, confession, confession or whatever. It looks religious. But this is the covenant you have with God. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of, of this is, there is no more offering for sin. All that package of ritual is not offering for sin. God doesn't need any other offering for sin. Confess your sin, yeah, that's okay. And that's it. God said, I'll forgive you. You're gone. There's, no more, you, there's nothing that you can do that's an offering for sin that will take the place of the blood already. Having therefore bread and boldness now to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, that's how you enter. The blood of Jesus. Not the way you put your neck, put your coin your, your, your voice and do all those kind of childishness. By a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us. He is the one that said, this is the way you come. You come with faith in the blood of Jesus. Because of that blood, I will forgive you. Because he already paid for your sins anyway. He says, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh, through his death, burial, resurrection. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from this evil conscience, sin conscience, consciousness, instead of righteousness, consciousness. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for it is faithful that promised. Another big hindrance to living a life of faith is living in the flesh. Now, you see, sin has consequences. It really has consequences. People think it doesn't, but it does. That's why you need to confess your sin and get, your, get it out of the way. Living in the flesh. Living by the flesh. How you know whether you are living in the flesh is when you have a habitual manifestation of the work of the flesh. Habitual. The Bible says those that are born of God do not habitually commit sin. If you are habitually living in the flesh, you are controlled by your flesh. And that's why it's manifesting now habitually. Habitual. I need to emphasize that habitual. And if you are doing that, you end up depending on your natural senses and reasoning, for that is the dominant factor of your life. The reason you are doing that is that this, your spirit is not the dominant factor of your life. What is the dominant factor is your flesh, your senses, your feelings. If you feel like you do, if you feel, think, you think you do. You are not led of the spirit. And if the flesh is the dominant factor of your life, you can be hiding it. When you come to church, you act good. But those close to you know that the flesh is a dominant factor of your life. I'm telling you something right here. It will hinder you from really developing your faith, even growing spiritually. It will. Because you are going to be depending on your senses, your reasoning, Instead of the word of God. You can read the word of God though, like I was saying on Sunday. You can read the word of God and talk about it. But somebody matured listening to you will know you are, you don't know what I'm talking about. It, it kind of pollutes everything we do. Jesus said this thing defiles people. It pollutes things. You would think you're okay. Because nobody sees it, nobody knows it, but you are not okay. 
That's why people struggle with faith. They struggle with the word. They struggle, really struggle. You're preaching the word, they're sleeping. They struggle. Because the flesh is dominant in their life. Very, very dominant in their life. And because the flesh does not know the word of God, and you are going to be depending on those senses and things for what you believe. I'm telling you, you think you are not going to, but you are going to. You are going to. You find your faith going up and down, up and down. Today you believe, excited, you came to church, you hire, I believe. Tomorrow, and God will come and remind you. Okay, I remember, I remember. Tomorrow, because your life is unstable. You are relying on what is unstable, the flesh. Again, people, <laughs> I'm telling you, you can package your life, we are smart, you can package your life and come into church and do Pentecostal language. But something is interfering in your spiritual development, and you are losing because of that. Look at John 20, 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have, we have seen the Lord. Oh, but he said unto them, except I see him in this, in his hand, except I see in his hand the print of the nail and put my fingers into the print of, his nail, of the nail and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You see, you believe him, you think you're going to believe him. You are not. It's going to affect you. Because what controls what you believe is actually your feelings. Because that's what you do. Your eyes. What controls what you do. And that's why you have that works of the flesh manifested. Habitually. Habitually. Let me give us one simple example. You see lying. Lying is a very dangerous thing spiritually. Lying. You see the testimony they gave about Jesus, they say no lie was found in his mouth. When somebody is habitually lying, listen to me, read good. When somebody is habitually lying, he will find it difficult to believe the word of God. Because he, without his knowing it, he's built a prism through which he sees everything, deceit. Without his knowing it, it's an unconscious thing. He sees everything through that prison of deceit because that's where he lives his life. He lies all the time. He lies all the time. Now here comes the word of God. He will not believe it because he doesn't believe himself. He thinks people lie, so he thinks God also lies. You can't detach yourself from what controls you. People who lie find it difficult to believe the word of God. They doubt it. At the strike. When the devil puts pressure, the brokatadists come. Because they're not used to the truth. They have trained themselves in deceiving and telling lies. That's absolute truth. The book of James says that clean water does not come from the same source with bitter water. It doesn't come. And that's why people speak words that is powerless. Because the, the scripture says that clean water and bitter water, they don't come from the same source. You see that sin has consequences. When you give your flesh dominant in your life, you, you give the devil a, a foothold. Because he oppressed through the flesh. The spirit of God oppressed through your, your, your spirit. It depends on which one you choose to give, to give dominance over your life. It depends on your choice. That's why the Bible warns us to be careful to maintain good works. Be careful to me. It says it's profitable to me. Be careful to maintain good works. Be careful. It says it's profitable to me. That godliness is profitable in this life. There's absolute truth. Ephesians 4.27, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know how many Christians that can't control their emotions, can't control their anger? Habitually can't. Habitually. I mean, when they, when, they, when they take off your head, you think there's a bomb. Habitually can't. Reason is that they are not growing spiritually. 
They are carnal minded. They are not growing out of carnality. Habitually. I keep using the word habitually. James 1.20. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. See the point. Again, you can package yourself and look awesome. But it will affect you. It weakens your faith. Affects your enthusiasm for God. Because it, it, the flesh loves the world. It's in tune with the world. Love not. You know, I said it here. You can love religion. You can love position. But you may not love Jesus. It's like marriage. <laughs> you can love marriage because you want to marry. You can love what a woman has. She's beautiful. Or what a man has. But you may not love the man. You may not love the woman. Tell the truth. You can love what is around something, but because that is around that person, you think you love the person. If you remove those things, you realize you don't love the person. You can love religion. You can love worship. You can love senior pastor position. You may not love Jesus. That's true. You know, the Pharisees were so zealous. One, his, his last name was Zealotus. They were so zealous, but Jesus said, you don't have the love of the Father in you. It's part of your zeal. So when the flesh is a dominant factor in somebody's life, he doesn't really love Jesus. And at the best, he leaves him with the mental ascent all the time. Mental, because the flesh, the flesh can never produce faith. Because it doesn't agree with God. No matter what you do, the person switches back unconsciously to reasoning. And pretty soon, the person was excited. Before you knew it, he's crying. They're talking back to this. It switches back to reasoning. Talking back to this. Switches back to reasoning. The best you can have is mental ascent. But faith, no. Faith is of the spirit. So if your spirit has dominance and ascendancy over your life, you will very easily walk by faith. Because faith is of the spirit. It's not of the flesh. So you see, the lifestyle we live really affects our ability to exercise faith and keep it steady. Come rain, come sunshine. And then again, if, if the flesh is dominant in your life, it will weaken, it will make you talk like the world. Because you spend more time with the things of the world than with God. You are going to imbibe their language, evil communication corrupts good manners. If you are going to imbibe their reasoning, and you won't know, it's an unconscious thing. It will seep into you like a reason. That's why the scriptures say, come out among them, be you separate. Now, First John 4, 5. These people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's point of view. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. We don't speak like them. You see, I'm telling you, let me go back to the pandemic. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, we can trust the word of God. God says, no place shall come like that dwelling. Uh, somebody else, a Christian, says that, that. My friend, remove that. Do you know a lot of people go to church don't trust God? They don't. Hey, they don't. Pandemic exposed everything. Oh, wow. For where? Don't trust God in nothing. Don't believe in the word of God. Action reviews our faith. We should develop our spirit. That's one of the most important things you owe yourself. Walk in the spirit all the time. All the time. 
I listen, I think there's one preacher that said, he said, the reason people don't hear God is that they don't walk in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit, you pick up God's voice very easily. What you are fasting to know, somebody can know it in one second. Because he's accustomed to walking by faith. He's accustomed to walking by the Spirit. Habitually, he walks by the Spirit. So to, to, to know what God is saying about something is easy for him. The other person, because he walks more in the flesh, needs a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time, before he wades through the hindrance of the flesh in his life. Half of the time he's sleeping, tired, weak, he's studying, praying, sleeping between this and this. Before he can wait, come out from all those things and be able to, by his spirit, perceive what God is saying. That's why when you preach, not everybody understands you. Because in every church there are babies who are kana. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, I want to thank you again for bringing us this message. The hindrances to our work of faith. So that we understand that we need to deal with these things. So we walk in the light. For you are in the light. We have fellowship with you. We have a choice to make. To walk in the spirit. Walk in the light. We want to hear you clean and clear. We have a choice to make. That will give our ears to you. I will give our ears to television and the world. But we can't serve two masters at the same time. Thank you for what you revealed to us today. That grace is the only option. Punishing people doesn't change anybody. Christ is the person that changes by giving life. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.